Hey, fish fans, this is Eli Sussman, the founder of Fish on First. You are listening to part of a Megapod with Kevin Barral and Alex Carver going through level by level of the Marlins farm system. Once they put on the mic, they really couldn't stop. This was overall a two and a half hour recording, but we have split it up into four different parts, ascending from the lowest levels of the minor league system all the way up to triple A. This is part one. Find all these episodes here on the Fish on First podcast feed. Leave a rating and review wherever applicable and enjoy. All right, swimming upstream on the Fish on First Podcast Network, also from the Fan Sports Podcast Network. This is episode 51. We are here with Alex Carver, the farm director for Fish on First. Alex, as always, uh, today we're going to do basically a huge, huge deep dive on the minor league system. We haven't been able to do one of these in a very long time, obviously, with new guys coming in like Noble Meyer, Kemp Alderman, all those draft picks, a lot of you know, FCL guys, DSL guys joining the organization as well. I think it's a good time to kind of just make a full assessment of this system that has kind of changed, has changed a lot, especially after the deadline. Obviously, no more Khalil Watts, no more Jake Eater. All those guys are gone. So what's up, brother? I'm, I'm very, very excited to do this. We've been talking about this for a very long time, and we're finally able to kind of get that deep dive in. Yeah, man. So the last time that, that me and Danny did something like this, um, like you said, it was before the trade deadline and the system looked quite a bit different. Um, there were uh, some pieces here that are no longer here um, with the Marlins, uh, you know, I guess ideology of wanting to win right now. It comes at the cost of prospects, but that doesn't mean there's still not talent in this Marlins system. Of course, the system, man, a couple years ago was a uh, top five. And now we're probably looking at a yeah. back end uh, probably in terms of farm system yeah. rankings, but there's still talent here. And um, we're going to talk about that today. A lot of young talent, uh, especially at these lower levels. I'm excited to talk about guys from FCL, guys from DSL, um, some of the draft picks that have come in, some of those names that, you know, people aren't really all that in tune with yet that we see through, you know, some of the content that we get um, from people in the org, uh, you uh, getting it from certain people, me hearing it from certain people. So um, I'm excited to talk about those guys, especially. And then, man, um, <laughs> you can go all the way up the system, and especially at the AAA level, we're just going to talk about that as well. Um, I definitely think there's guys at that level that um, should be contributing to the Marlins very shortly. So we'll talk about it. We'll get into offense. We'll get into pitching and what that looks like. Uh, it's changed. Man, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, it looks a lot different than it did maybe a couple months ago. But we'll talk about that. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to do this with you as well. Um, super, super proud of all the work you've done on the minor league side as well as the major league side. But uh, just getting your getting your, your, your getting like totally knee deep into the minor leagues like you have has been really cool to see. Um, so I'm excited to do this with you today. Yeah, I'm pumped. You know, obviously we, we've spoken about this many times that we wanted to get this, this pod in. And obviously now, obviously you had a day off. We were able to do it before, you know, obviously Marlins today play at 10, 10 against the Dodgers. It worked out perfectly to do it today. So here we are. And obviously, you know, at a state in the minor leagues that MLB pipeline has them ranked as the 24th ranked system. Obviously, you know, some would say it's a little bit generous. You could probably say that, obviously, because not many people take into account the FCL slash DSL. That's where I think a lot of the good prospects in this organization lie. But we'll get started there, I think, Alex. And obviously, we see the guy right behind us, Noble Meyer. He got promoted to, to low A Jupiter. Um, and just talk to us about what you've seen. You've been at both start, you know, both of his games thus far with them. Um, with FCL, we saw the first one. He was a little bit, you know, it was a little bit shaky, but for the most part, he looked pretty good. Vila was there. Um, 
and like just a little bit of fatigue towards the end of that first start. And obviously the second one, I wasn't able to watch it. You were there. We saw the video. He looked a lot better. Obviously, I believe he used that curveball a little bit more as well. Yeah, so uh, it's been an encouraging first two starts for this guy. We were talking about this the other day, Kev, and um, like why the quick call up to Jupiter, like you said. Um, this seemed to have been in the plan for this guy. Um, he's definitely not all the way stretched out yet. He's only what gone, you know, into the third inning is, is basically the furthest that he's gone. So it's definitely not, you know, a, okay, uh, the guy's performing like super, super well. He's fully stretched out. He's ready for full season ball. But no, they think he's ready to get to get into full season ball now as an 18-year-old. That just shows the advancement of this prospect and how high they are on him to push him and promote him this quickly. The Marlins did not do this um, much in the offseason with um, their prospects going into this season. There's only a couple guys that you could point to that they really, really challenged, but they're wanting to get this guy into full season ball just after two starts. They definitely see the projectability of this guy uh, and they want to get him, you know, some, some time against these uh, further advanced bats that are not just guys that are just now, a lot of them just now not breaking into minor league baseball. These are guys that have been in minor league baseball at the uh, full season level, a lot of them for a little while. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's draft picks around in the uh, FSL right now, the Florida state league. Um, you know, there, there are new players there as well, but a lot of them are further advanced guys that have gone to, you know, three, four years of college, a lot of them. So they're wanting to get this 18 year old kid time against those, that, those kind of bats. That's, that's very, very encouraging. And I definitely see the projection in this player. Like you said, uh, we saw his first start, um, said he wasn't too nervous, but you know, he hadn't pitched in like two months. He hadn't pitched since like June or something like that. You could say it's to be expected, but um, yeah, I'm a, a little glad that it didn't go perfectly So I got something to build off of. I got things to work on and I mean, dealt with some form of failure one way or another. So kind of step in the right direction. It was okay. Um, he definitely showed his stuff. Definitely showed the Velo. He was up to 95. Second start, a little bit higher. He was up to 96. Like you said, definitely flashed the curveball. Why do you got a ton of confidence in that pitch to go to it, you know, after battling back from 3-0 and then comes all the way back. This was his last batter of that game. Comes all the way back and gets a strikeout yeah. on a nasty curveball dotted up on the inside corner. Really good. Um, command, I think, was better in that start as well. Not as many wild pitches. Not as many pitches out of the zone. I think he got squeezed a bit in that start. I think he could have probably had four, maybe five strikeouts instead of the three that he had, right? Uh, or Yeah, I think he had three, right? Um, so, yeah, um, definitely think there, there was a little bit more in the three or four that he had. Uh, there, I definitely think there was a little bit more there if uh, the umpire was a little bit more generous but that's part of baseball. Um, he said that himself. So yeah, man, um, this is a very, very projectable arm consensus top prospect in the system for very good reason. I'm excited to see him um, play against some of these F, uh, these FSL teams. Um, and if it comes this week, um, you know, against St. Lucie, um, whether that's tomorrow uh, or Sunday, um, which it should, in my opinion, um, how he lines up, I think that it'll be really cool to get uh, in St. Lucie. They have Statcast, so it'll be really cool yes. to see the metrics. Yes. So yeah, we'll be able to to look at the research tool and get some uh, some actual metrics behind him live in real time. So I'm excited about that as well. Um, but yeah, man, this kid's really good. Excited to see the break on that curveball because it's nasty. Uh, what do you want to see? You want to see more slider consistency from this guy? He said that himself to me after the last start. He really wants to build that pitch up. So I think that's his work in progress is building up that pitch. Change up as well, but first get the slider. Change up's always the last pitch to come. He's got plenty of time, but I want to see a little bit more of the slider from this guy so he's not just a two-pitch fastball, uh, fastball curveball guy. Um, so yeah, build up the slider first, then get the change up. We know what the Marlins can do with that pitch. This guy's got a really bright future in front of him. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, so it's just for reference, why Carver and I kind of hope he makes this start either tomorrow, Saturday, or Sunday is because in the FSL, 
there's no stat cast basically. Obviously, Jupiter was one of the places that did have it. They moved to West Palm where there's no video, no stat cast, no nothing. So it's very, very hard to catch any like live footage of it unless there's someone, you know, maybe like a scout or or a pros a farm head out there. So Port St. Lucie is one of the only places that has it, and that's where they're right now, where there's a full TV broadcast and everything. So it's huge. I guess for Alex and I, you know, who, who kind of cover this a lot more than the usual Marlins report or whatever, however you want to mention it, is that, you know, we finally get this video, we get the numbers, we get VLO numbers, and we don't have to wait till hours after a start to kind of ask for these VLO numbers. So it's huge. I, I do want to ask you, Alex, though, maybe Noble Myers is the only pitcher that kind of uses the curveball consistently in this organization obviously top pitchers i know josh simpson uses it to get him out but aside from that there's not really many pitchers in this org that use the curveball as much as he has yeah i mean you can see i mean eater did a lot <laughs> uh he's not okay. here anymore uh, dax fulton has a good curveball that he uses as well um you know i always i always like to refer to dax fulton as like a much much different physical specimen, but a similar pitcher with a little bit more below, but a similar pitcher to Braxton Garrett. Um, so that's another guy who uses a really good curveball. So there are players in this system who use curveballs. Uh, it's easy to forget about those guys, especially Dax because he's out for the year. But yeah, um, yeah, there are pitchers who use a curveball pretty consistently. Uh, Marlins have been going more towards uh, slider. Um, I know they're really big as well on developing cutters, um, you know, stuff like that. So, and then of course, what they do with the changeup. So, there are some good curveballs in the system that can be found, um, and especially coming from you know pretty tall builds, um, it's definitely hard to pick up for hitters, especially when they drop off with such good vertical movement, like you see with Meyer, like you see with Dax, um, guys like that that have these these really good curveballs from pretty high arm angles. Um, it's definitely encouraging, especially Dax from high arm angle, but it's really encouraging to see what certain players can do with that pitch. But you're right, um, I don't think many pitchers use that as like a true anchor. This is definitely Noble Meyer's best pitch, even over the fastball. Basketball is good. Yeah. It needs a little bit more consistency behind it. You can talk to any um, prospect analyst. They'll tell you that his fastball has got good velo. It's a little straight. needs a little bit more consistency finding it for first pitches. He said that himself as well. Uh, so establishing with the fastball, then getting to your breakers is, is kind of the work in progress with the approach for Noble um, instead of just relying fully on that best pitch curveball, right? Yeah. So, yeah, um, definitely love that pitch, man. It's it's definitely like 60-grade pitch at least right now already for this player. Um, even as young as he is, and it could definitely have a, a better future value as we go forward as well. So excited to see this guy against uh, more advanced bats. And I'm, I, I am glad to see that they pushed him and challenged him because they did not yeah. do this a lot in the offseason. And I, it, I was I was kind of not disturbed by that. I know you want to take it easy with, with kids like this um, and not push too hard all at once. Um, so the, the, the overall, the, the mindset kind of changed. Um, but you also don't want to see that as help back right and of course that goes into is there room at the next level like what they're what they're not doing right now with troy and xavier edwards and stuff like that they just don't have room right so you got to have room at the next level there's more room to do that in the minor leagues and I'm, I'm encouraged to see them challenge this guy as much as they have because i think he deserves it and i think he's capable of doing it so yeah it's going to be fun getting this guy in front of fans yes um, it's going to be fun getting this guy in front of um these more advanced bats it's going to be fun getting him in these environments where we have access to these numbers and things, we can kind of dig into him a little bit more than we already have. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this. And um, these next few starts are going to be fun for Noble and how he ends the year. It's going to be cool to see. I guess just for reference, we could kind of mention Jacob Miller here and how they kind of handled the Noble situation. He made three starts at the, at the FCL level Miller, and then he got called up. He, he ended up making only one start with, um with Loe. I think that'll be not, I don't think that'll be the case with, with Meyer. I think he'll make multiple 
given that he he was kind of he you know he got bumped up a little earlier than what Jacob did at the time, and I think they'll, although they'll kind of play it a little safe, but we'll see how that goes. I want to talk to you about the FCL level. Obviously, we'll start with FCL DSL. I think the player you want to talk about is Angelo Despinga, who. 6'6", I think he's taller than that, to be honest with you. I think he's just a bit taller than that. He plays the infield. You would think this is a pitcher, but he plays, I believe it's first base mainly. Uh, I know he's maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, has he played shortstop? I don't think so. No, not no. At, at least not in the FCL. <laughs> okay, hold, okay, so this guy's hitting 286, 436, 476 with a 913 OPS. 142 WRC plus strikes out at 21% rate, but walks at an 18.2% rate. Obviously all these numbers, usually you have to take them with a grain of salt, given the fact that these guys don't play too much because of how many guys there are. So they kind of need to kind of like give out the playing time evenly. But Alex, you've seen him for a couple for, I think twice already now, maybe more. He was an undrafted free agent. Miami usually has a good success rate with those type of players. Obviously, Paul McIntosh being one of the more recent successes for, you know, at the, at the moment he was in AAA, went back down to AA with the signing of Jorge Alfaro there. But just your thoughts on what you've seen from this bingo. And if you want to mention any other FCL guys before we go to DSL. Yeah, sure. So um, I like this player, man. Um, it's fun. I always like these guys that, that DJ is able to find, um, you know, after the draft is over. He did it with PMAC. He's done it with a couple of other guys as well where you just get a guy out of nowhere and he starts to contribute. So for this guy, um, I'm tempering expectations because he is 23 playing against mostly 18, 19 year old kids. But um, what I would say for this player is that it's, it's super cool. I've talked to a couple of people about him. Um, basically this guy was really struggling when he was at Mercer college, um, you know, especially with strikeouts, like his, his slash line was pretty okay, but he was struggling with strikeouts. Um, so then he goes D one and he goes to Georgia tech um, going to Georgia tech. Um, this guy really turned it on. He got around a hitting coach. I forget the guy's name, but he got around a hitting coach at Georgia Tech that really, really helped him out in tempering strikeouts, um, switching up his approach a little bit, switching up his stance a little bit. Stance is so different. He's a 6'6 guy, like you said, Kev, but he's really low in the stance, hands out over the plate, and he can go to all fields with it, man. Um, it's pretty patient, too, at least what we, from what we've seen from, from yeah. his, his work against FCL guys. What is it, 12 strikeouts, 10 walks? So again, he's facing kids. He's facing guys that are not his age. He should be promoted. He should get chances, I believe, shortly. This is a guy, like we said, they should definitely challenge as long as they have room. Um, do they have room right now in Jupiter for a first baseman? I think that they should. Um, they can maybe push yeah. another guy up from there as well, especially Torrens in Beloit. So I think there's room there to get this guy time at first base. So yeah, I want to see this guy get challenged to the next level. But I like this guy. I like his background. He's very athletic. He was also a quarterback uh in high school who could have played football uh decided to go with baseball and um yeah he's, he's a big kid um definitely has room to still put on a little bit more weight i think um he's a big tall kid very very imposing when you see him around all these other 18 19 year old kids that they have in the fcl you can always point him out in a crowd um so yeah. it's a fun it's a fun dude and um i'm excited to see what this player does because like i said um dj has such a great track record of finding these guys after the draft and getting them for virtually nothing so yeah um Definitely a good selection there by by DJ to find this player. Um, I just want to see him get pushed. Yeah. Um, go ahead. No, what I, what I wanted to say kind of is kind of, you, you kind of said it. Like we when we saw this guy the first time, we thought he was a pitcher. We're like, oh, yeah. this is another Marlins type pitcher. And then we see him yeah. at, going up to that battle. Like, Alex, this guy's going to hit. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. So I do want to ask, let, let's talk a little bit about the two guys that made got the promotion last year from DSL. Anthony Baguero, Jose Gerardo, those two guys dominated the DSL level. Uh, they're both struggling this year. Let's start with Peguero first. 
Um, he had, he's hitting 228, 320, 290, 309 with a 609 OPS, 68 WRC+. Uh, you know, still not striking out a lot, only 20%, and then walking at a 10% rate. What's, what's going on? Do you think it's just kind of, I guess, at this young age, he's still kind of trying to get used to the new level or just teams have gotten up to him and kind of figured him out? Yeah, I mean, it's first stateside season um, or first stateside showing. I should say first stateside season. He was here since the start of the FCL season, played in 40 games. Uh, the slash line's not great, and it's very, very little power. Um, it's a lot of strikeouts, um, 35 to 17 walks to uh, strikeouts to walks. Um, it doesn't look great for this player right now. He's also made some mistakes, I will say. Uh, the game that we were at, which was Noble's first start, he got benched in that game. Uh, I talked to – or we talked to the to the manager, Lee Durante, afterwards – He's like, yeah, the guy hit a bloop over third base. Like that ball usually drops. The guy made a great play and caught it, and he just didn't run out of the box, and it could have been a double. So there's a little bit of disciplinary things here as well uh, to work out for for Piguero. Um, yeah, and then like I, like you said, the, the plate discipline and plate presence. Um, the bat speed's great. Uh, he's a very athletic looking dude. Um, can play pretty much, definitely play both corners. Maybe can fake it in center field. Um, so yeah, definitely a guy that that has potential for sure. Um, especially where with the, with what the Marlins spent on him in the um, international signing period that he got signed out of uh, in 2022. So, yeah, there's there's definitely potential for this player to do a lot of great things. He's got really good athleticism, some really good raw tools, but that's just the thing. The tools are very raw for this player, and there's some disciplinary things as well that need to get worked out. So um, he's working it out. Um, still got a lot of time on his side. Still just 18 years old. So a lot of stuff to learn for Piguero. Um We'll see what he does. Um, this is a guy, I mean, FCL season's ending pretty soon. Yep. Maybe he gets time with Jupiter. I would probably just end his season and let him do some side work and get him off his feet for a bit. He's played the whole season, so he's gotten his reps in. And, um, yeah, just needs time to learn, man. Um, these young players need a lot of time to learn sometimes. Again, 18 years old, give him some time. But um, So I'm not overwhelmingly like concerned with what he's done this year, but there's definitely things to work out for Baguetto. And I think that's the big thing. These guys are 18, 17, 16 years old, too. That's, that's how young they, you know, they get them started in their baseball career. And then and if you look at DSL, maybe sometimes there's a rare exception of a 15-year-old. Not really, but, yeah. um, you know, you have to kind of, I guess you have to have expectations that aren't over the roof for these type of guys. So for Peguero, it's just an adjustment year for him. I think this was, you know, this wasn't the case with Yidi originally. And I guess that's a good example we could use. He started with DSL, killed it, came over to FCL, killed it, came to Jupiter, kind of struggled a little bit. Um, obviously, at that young age, you're seeing different types of play very quickly. And I think that's just the case for someone like Piguero. Now, I think this is the more concerning case, which is Jose Gerardo. This guy's striking out at a 42.3% rate, hitting 193 with 347, 322. Uh, with a 669 OPS, 86 WRC+, plus, but he's walking at a 16% rate. That's just more due to the how many times he strikes out every once in a while. You're going to get a good amount of walks. Five home runs, 28 RBIs, but 15 stolen bases. So this is kind of, again, the case with someone like Piguero, who's just kind of getting adjusted to the new level. But, man, this guy's strikeout rate, that was not the case with him last season, if I'm correct, at all. Yeah. I guess he's just being super aggressive, and we kind of saw that uh, when we went up to Jupiter. Yeah, I mean, it was still there um, in the DSL um, last year. It was 66 strikeouts in 50 games. So the strikeout rate was always there for this player. But this year, 
it's just that much worse with strikeouts. 90 strikeouts in 46 games, that is unprecedented and not great. What I would say for this player, though, is from what you can see from these numbers, um, it is a guy who is very aggressive at the plate. He does need to learn to temper that. But I think it's a guy who's always going to have that ability to swing and miss in his game at an elevated rate. What I would also say is that to hit five home runs doesn't sound like like a lot, right? It doesn't. When you look at that, it's like a average fan, anybody, maybe even a guy that's clued in to minor league baseball. You look at five home runs and you're like, eh, you know, that's not great. Whatever. He's still striking out. There's You can't excuse the strikeouts with five home runs. What I would say is that all of these fields in the FCL, especially in Jupiter, are very, very large fields, very large. Yeah. fields. They are not easy to hit in. These fields are a lot of them. Actually, all of them um, are not far away from the beach. So you got winds blowing in on a lot of days. They're very hot days that these guys play in uh, very, very tough conditions to hit in uh, at a lot of times. So to hit five home runs is there's something to say for that. Um, that, that is, that is an elevated amount of home runs for hitting in the FCL, um, especially for a kid that's this young. So, uh, with that being said, yes, there is a lot of work to do for Piget, or I'm sorry, for Gerardo in figuring out his strikeout rate. Um, that's got to come down at some point. So it's a very free swinging bat. He swings at a lot of pitches. Um, very, very, very aggressive hitter. Needs to get it in tune for sure. Um, swings at pitches out of the zone. His vision is just like he looks like he uh, commits to swings very, very early. Um, like I said, it's just an aggressive bat. So when he connects, it goes far, but you got to learn to temper that and take pitches as well. So, um, yeah, it's another guy that's learning, another very young player, right in the line of of, of Figueiredo, same same kind of guys. They're going to come up together, uh, and they're going to grow together. Um, but, again, another guy that the Marlins spent significant money on, um, another guy that they're high on, they should be, um, but he's got a lot of stuff to work on for sure. I guess the only other – well, before we go to the catching position, because that's one that's – Taking a big hit, I guess you could say, and uh, but you know, especially after the Ronald Hernandez trade, Marco Vargas, those guys were in the FCL. Those were arguably the two best players in the FCL. Probably would have gotten the promotion to Jupiter if they would have still been here. I believe both of them. Um, yeah. Any other any other players you want to highlight from from the FCL before we get into the catching situation with not only the FCL but DSL as well? Because there are some names, you know, a couple names. Sure. Um, yeah, I can point out a couple of other guys. So as you mentioned, with the trade of. Um, Marco in specific, um, a guy that stepped in and got more playing time is Junior Sanchez. Yes. Um, yes. So, so Junior Sanchez is, he's a, he's a, it's, it's going to be a good comeback story if this guy keeps it up, man, this guy was signed when 2020, I think, or something like that. Um, did not play at all until 2022. Right. So he was injured. There was a lot of stuff going on there with him. Just never saw him in a game. Didn't get into a game at all until last year in the FCL. Um, last year in the FCL was a slow start. He like 161 in the few games that he was in, 24 games. This year, um, it looks a lot better. Um, definitely. Um, he's, I think, making the most of his chance, especially with solid on-base numbers. Um, 257 average, but he's got a 348 OBP, which is pretty good. Um, you know, um, definitely decent, uh, especially for a guy who's playing in what is going to be his first full season in the FCL. Um, but man, this guy is a cool comeback story. If he can keep it up, he's really good in the field. We saw him make a great play at second base in that first noble start that we were at. Um, can also play some other positions as well. Um, I he think he's definitely, noble. Yeah, he he did. definitely saved a run um, for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, seven doubles, two triples, pretty fast guy. He definitely has above average speed. Um, good bats ball, which is decent. Um, I would say, and I think still improving. 
Um, yeah, this is a fun prospect, a lower down prospect. It's a guy that we didn't talk about a lot, but the Marlins spent a lot of money on this player. I think over a million dollars they spent on this player. So man, there's, that's a lot of money invested in this guy. So they want to see it and he's starting to show it. So, um, I like junior Sanchez, the game that I was at in noble second start, he had a three hit game. Uh, so the bat to ball is coming around. Like I said, um, I like this player. I think that he could be, uh, pretty good. If definitely a late bloomer, uh, probably should be, if he were fully healthy, he would be in upper levels by now than this or higher levels than this, I should say maybe as high as single A advanced. Um, but definitely next year, I think we're going to see him break into full season ball. Um, the Marlins are going to give this guy every chance that he can get because you can't trade him right now. And you have 1.5, I think 1.5 mil it was at 1. least. 1.1, yeah. 1.1. Sorry, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so 1.1 million, over a mil invested in this player. You want to see something out of him. And the Marlins think they can develop, and I think they can as well. I mean, um, just for reference, they had Victor Victor, you know, here until he escaped, basically. Yeah. So. Yeah, shows how much they cared about that money. Sure, I guess other guys that you can point out, Kev, is um just really quickly on this is Jesus Hernandez. This is another infielder that I've been really impressed by. This is a guy who's not going to hit for power at all. Um, I, don't, I mean, maybe, maybe he grows into a little bit more, but super good bat to ball skills on this player and very athletic at their base. Um, can definitely do it at third base. Doesn't really have the power for the position, but he definitely has the ability to field it. The arm for it as well is really good. Can play other positions as well. Can move around on the infield a bit. Um, this is a player I like, uh, just as that bat-to-ball skill kind of guy, limits his strikeouts, um, you know, and, and finds bases. And you need guys like that, those um, those contact-oriented hitters. I think that's what Jesus Hernandez will be long-term. Um, so that's another lower, under-the-radar name. Real small guy, like 5'9", 150, I think. Uh, 145, 150, just looking at him. I don't have the exact number. Yeah. But he's like under six feet tall because I'm taller than him. So, uh, yeah, it's a fun player, though, um, and a guy to keep an eye on as a lower-down guy. Waylon Castillo is um, the other one, too. I was just going to mention, the, the yeah. one, one other pitcher I will mention is Waylon Castillo. This guy just gets out. Um, it's not high velocity. He tops at, like, 92, I think. Um, but he has, like, three, four pitches. Really funky arm angle, funky arm slot, high leg kick, a lot of deception to him. This guy has, like, a sub-2 ERA. I think it's, like, 1.5 ERA in his time with the FCL. Um, definitely a guy that they could push. And he's gone, I think, multiple innings almost every time out. So I'm really encouraged about Waylon Castillo just as a back-end starter maybe, but probably more so as an innings-eating guy unless he comes by a little bit more velocity, um, which he can. He's still very young as well. I think also 18. So there's a lot of projection for that arm as well. But the deception is what carries Waylon to the next level. I think that guy's good. Yeah, 18 years old at the Complex League. He has a 1.57 ERA. Oh, uh, yeah. he's got lucky with a five-two-six FIP. But yeah, um, he has. Yeah, <laughs> and then the strikeout numbers aren't too high when it comes to K per nine walks per nine. They're you know they're pretty league average theirs. But it's yeah. a lot of contact though. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah. I mean, really, it is. Yeah, uh, I mean, as an, like um, as a you know like a Dan Castano, Brian Hoeing type guy. Yeah, like a ground ball, you know, easy out kind of guy, innings eating kind of guy. That's kind of what I see from him. But the deception is is really good. Um, his slider's good. I think it's his best pitch. But yeah, it's it's fun to watch him pitch. Um. He's interesting and not a lot of effort behind his pitches. So he can go deep into deep into games or innings if he needs to. So that's another guy. Um, I know you like Carmine Lane, so maybe you could talk about him. But yeah, I was just <laughs> going to get into him. I wanted to get into that catching situation because obviously yeah. with the um, with the departure of Ronald Hernandez, this this depth is pretty bad. <laughs> Let's be honest. Your, your best catching prospect is probably Will Banfield. And you know, PMAC, we love PMAC. He's a great friend of the show, great friend of ours, but he's not good defensively. And he could tell you that he's improved. I will say he has improved, but 
still not good enough to be the best catch in the org. And I do want to get into Carmen Lane. He was last year's, I believe, he, I want to say he was the 19th round pick um, for the Marlins. He was transitioned to be a catcher. Obviously, obviously for us, it's kind of hard to find that video of him defensively, so we can't speak too much for his defense. But offensively, he's gotten off to a great, great start. You know, 364, 521, 400, 921 with a 163 WRC plus. Uh, four RBIs, no homers yet, but that is bound to change. Now in 74 plate appearances. Last time I checked, it was like 15 plate appearances, so he's getting better and better. The other catcher I want to mention is at the DSL level is 17-year-old Nixon Chirinos, who has a 106 WRC+, plus, but is he's been pretty damn good. You know, not too much bats ball, 250 batting average, pretty league average, but gets on base, 406. Not much power either, 292, 698 OPS. You know, the catching depth in this organization, as we mentioned, Alex, is not really good. So just kind of when you see these kinds of names with 100, over 100 WRC pluses, kind of gets on base at a good amount, some nice bat to ball. It's kind of good to see that Miami does have some type of catchers in this organization that they're developing. We'll get into ban- the Banfields. We'll get into Joe Max soon. But I guess just staying at the lower, low levels, we have Carmen Lane and Nixon Chirino, who are kind of the guys who are building up to be that next wave of, of big name catchers in this org. Yeah, definitely a position of need organization-wide, like you said. Um, For Lane, I can just talk about him really quick. Another guy, 22, um, you kind of want to see him pushed up, especially with what he's doing at the plate, like you said. Kind of want to see him get pushed up and given a chance over over some other guys like like Andrew Fernandez, who they have, I think, at single-A advance or single-A right now. Um, You know, Barstad as well, he's, I think, at single-A advance now. um, Finally got up there after a couple years in Jupiter. So, you know, just like, you know, not that you want to see guys, like, lose their jobs or anything, but – you want to see room being made for guys like this who are coming in and impressing um, over some guys who have, you know, skipped around levels and, you know, been here for a while and gotten their chances in minor league baseball. And, you know, in some cases for catchers, especially hasn't really worked out. You do need catchers around to catch guys, obviously, and fresh legs and stuff like that. But um, you want to see guys like this get a chance. So I would like to see Carmine get pushed up Um, his catching numbers. um, I mean, just in terms of stolen bases, what we can see, um, the army need a little bit of work. He's allowed six stolen bases, only caught one batter. So that may need a little bit of work for him in terms of uh, the arm. Um, I don't think we see we saw him catch either game with Noble because I know the second one um, was Nestor Rios, and then I think the okay. first one was um, who was who caught him. The first I think time? the first was one was Hud- Hudson Live or something. Yeah, Hudson Livesey. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I, neither game did I see Carmine catch, um, but. Um, you know, can't really speak. Go up to Jupiter, to be but yeah, uh, definitely should be up in Jupiter, like you said. Um, and then, like you said, uh, just a 17-year-old catcher who's starting to show some some thump as well. Like you said, show some uh, some decent stuff at the plate at age 17 and can get it done behind the plate. You know, that's definitely encouraging as well. Uh, tough to see Ronald go, man, because that was the next guy. But um, they have some other guys that um, that maybe could be in the same mold here coming up shortly. So um, it's not. There's not nothing at the lower levels. There is stuff at the lower levels. There's less at the upper levels, but we can talk about that in a bit. So yeah, um, there's there's some some catching prospects at the lower levels to look at for sure. All right, let's get into where I guess are kind of the guys that are the next wave of big name prospects, the guys that we're pretty high on for the most part, or gonna be even higher on as we go. The DSL guys. That 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 those two teams, so we have to keep in mind it's DSL Marlins, DSL Miami. Those are the two teams that I guess were a lot of scouts even looked into during the trade deadline to see if they could get anyone from there. That was a report from Craig Mish. But let's get into one of their all-stars, which was Fabian Lopez. 
hitting 264, 325, 409 with a 7, 735, 94 WRC+. Plus. Uh, the big issue with Lopez is kind of the strikeout to walk rate or yep. walk percentage. Um, yep. Only walks at a 7.1%. Strikeout is 24.5. Aside from that, right now I believe he's playing mainly shortstop. And obviously we haven't seen too much video of him defensively, but from what we've heard, he could probably stick at the position for a little bit longer. And um, he is just uh, a switch hitter, which is very encouraging, six foot tall. So very encouraging signs thus far. This is one of the guys that they brought in in this year's international signing class. I believe he was the second most expensive behind Gennaro Miller. So very good to see that, you know, one of these guys is, is painting on early on. Yeah, for sure. Um, to see a um, 17-year-old kid with a 145 ISO, this guy can definitely hit gaps and definitely has some bat speed to him for sure. Um, uh, 4.9 slugging percentage, which is really good. Um, like you said, the, the main thing you want to see here is more walks. Uh, a 7% walk rate with a twenty-five over 25% strikeout rate. That's what you really want to see improve for a player like this. I think he can do it from both sides of the plate and can stick as a switch hitter. Um, the numbers are pretty not too dissimilar uh, from both sides of the plate from what I've seen. Um, so yeah, no, this is a guy definitely who's shown quite a bit in his break in to pro ball and you can see why the Marlins spent what they did on him. So yeah, 17 years old, showing a lot of things. There's a lot of time to clear up those things that he doesn't do like walk and stuff like that. So there's a lot of time for this player. Um, for sure. Um, my, my long-term question for him is, will he stick at shortstop or will he move around? Um, it's kind of like my main question. So whenever I see a guy with like power like this, that definitely has a pretty good power ability to hit gaps, extra base hits, stuff like that. Um, you know, what's the, the long-term projectability? Do they move to third base? Um, right. Something like that. Or do they make it step stick at, at shortstop? Um, that's kind of my, my main thing when I see the makeup of a player like this, anyways, um, definitely a, an interesting prospect for sure. Um, a guy that has done quite a bit in his break into pro ball. And like you said, kind of, um, proving why they, they gave him the price that they did. It's nice too, because you know, this DS, DSL wasn't really the, the juiciest part, part of the Marlins system when we looked maybe two, three years ago back. Obviously, you had Yidi, you had Jose Salas at the time there, but now it's now it's probably the best part of this minor league system, Alex. We could probably we, you can make that argument. The next guy I wanted to ask you about is Gennaro Miller. That, that was the top signing for Miami. He was, I believe, I believe amongst like the best 100 um, international prospects according to Pipeline. He struggled on both sides of, you know, both sides. He's a two-way guy, uh, 245, 339, 318 with a 83 WRC plus. Um, and he um, is striking out at a 43%, 10% walk rate. And then when you look at the pitching side for him, 5.40 ERA, 604 FIP. So kind of just, I guess, getting adjusted to this two-way stuff at the DSL level, Alex. And we'll get into a couple, two more guys I want to touch up on in DSL. And we'll start going on to... Uh, low a. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting with this guy. Um, I don't think he's going to be a long-term two-way player is what I will say. Um, I think he's going to be a bat, honestly. Um, you know, looking at just like stuff that he was doing when he was pitching uh, before the Marlins got him, just looking at those small videos that we got about him. It's like the velocity, of course, he's 17 years old, so you don't you know the velocity is going to come, but you know, it just wasn't too, too terribly much like further advanced that I saw from him and his stuff with pitching. Um, I did see um, the makeup for some really good bats speed on the offensive side. Um, so I think that this guy is going to be a bat. Um, you know, he's already hit two triples, so he has done that. He is a switch hitter, so he can do it from both sides of the plate. I just think that this guy is a uh, is better off as a bat, and you could take a lot of pressure off of him by just saying, hey, kid, go out and do one thing. You know what I mean? So I think the Marlins would be um, 
would be smart to let this guy stick to one side of the baseball. I think he does a lot more offensively than he does on the pitching side. So this would definitely be a guy that I would say I want to see him be a hitter. Um, uh, just just a hitter uh, and not a pitcher long term. Um, and I think the sooner that the Marlins do that, maybe they're just trying him out, see where, see what's going to work out best. Um, you know, he does have the capability to do both. He can throw the baseball. He's a lefty. So there is value in that. But like you said, um, just hasn't been good so far and doesn't really show anything like you see in him right now. That's like, okay, that's like a, that's his advanced pitching tool where he does show stuff like that on the offensive side, especially with bat speed and the ability to switch hit. So I want to see this guy be a bat. Uh, still very early. Um, no worries at all about him only hitting 245 in his first 110 at bats. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, I definitely think this guy should be a hitter. Very quickly, a uh, little breaking news. Noble Meyer will be making a uh, low A debut tomorrow against the Port yeah. St. Lucie Mets per source. Yeah. So uh, that is weather permitting. So if the weather allows him, he will be making that debut and we'll get to watch Noble Meyer on TV and setting up to make the drive. But the other player I wanted to mention was last year's signing. Yafri Solano. So he he had a weird, I guess, timeline this season. They switched him from one team to another. He he hasn't played too much, but uh, and, and I also know he had an injury. So when you look at his DSL stats from one team, they look pretty damn good. 308, 410, 500, 910 with a 141 WRC plus, one home run, six RBIs. Um, just what have you seen from Yafri? Obviously, this is a guy who was very high, the top signing for Miami last seat, last international signing period, not the one that just happened. Obviously, big news. You know, nice to see that he's finally getting it going. He's only played uh, only one game, three plate appearances with D, with the other DSL team. Um, just kind of nice to see Yoffrey kind of get it going. You know, I was told by someone he wasn't even top ten at one point when it came to the DSL sign when they when they made these international signings. Despite him being the top guy when it came to money, he wasn't the top ten when it came to playing. And now. Obviously, made a huge improvement one year to another. Stats a little down, but that's just given the small lack of plate appearances he's had thus far this season. Yeah, like you said, um, went through an injury, um, came back. It's only been 14 games overall. Um, it's not uncommon for them to switch guys around between these DSL teams, as we're finding out now that the Marlins do, to have, do have two teams. Um, it's just like going from one side of the complex to the other, pretty much, or going on a bus trip versus not going on a bus trip to somewhere else. That's pretty much what they do with these guys. Um, so yeah, it's just about getting these guys playing time as much as they can. And Yoffrey, of course, you want to see get a lot of playing time because he is as high priced as he was and as high priced as he is as a prospect for the Marlins. So from what we've seen from him, it's been very limited time, as you said, but 291, 391, 424, man, uh, it's pretty good. Um, little small lanky kids. So what does that say to us? That says that he definitely has good raw power via bat speed. So he already has good raw power. He's already hit a home run, um, in that limited amount of time, as I said, um, what else does he have? Um, two triples and three doubles. So you can see the ability to hit for power here already in a guy that weighs 155 pounds. So awesome. Um, I definitely really like to see this happen at such a young age for these kids. And another switch hitter. Like we said, there's so many of these guys. We talked about Gennaro. Now we're talking about Yafri, right? So there's a lot of players in this system like this. That, yeah, the Fabian, there you go. We talked about him. We have so many guys in the system that we see that are just have so much athleticism. Um, all these guys are switch hitters. They're all shortstops. They're all middle infielders. Of course, they're going to move around. Probably some of them, right? Uh, so you can't because not everybody a shortstop. But when you see switch hitting shortstop after switch hitting shortstop, they're 18 years old. They're hitting, you know, what they're hitting, and they're starting to show these pretty nice signs here in in minor league baseball at such an early age. It's so encouraging, man. The Marlins do, I think, a great job with international scouting. Um, this is super cool. Testament to Adrian and his whole team. 
Um, I've really liked what I've seen from Adrian since he's gotten the job. I think he's done awesome with it. Um, you know, just being able to get the best bang for your buck. Like you don't have to go out and sign the biggest, highest priced Victor, Victor Mesa, for example, who takes up all of your pool. And then you only have a couple of other guys in line that you can like lower end guys that you can sign. Cause you just don't have the money. You can sp yeah. spread your pool around and sign 40, 50. And a couple of years ago, they signed like 60 guys and just spread it around and see who works out. Um, you know, cause as much scouting as they do in the DSL and all these countries that these guys come from, um, you know, there's, there's, there's never really a surefire thing at such a young age, right? Uh, you can see signs, but it may not ever be a sure thing. So I really like the strategy of spreading money around like the Marlins have here in recent years in the international signing periods. Um, it's been really cool. And I think Adrian's done a great job with that. And we can see that coming to fruition with a lot of these players. And a perfect example of that Alex is Marco Vargas. He, he told yeah. us that Marco was a guy who never, you know, obviously they signed him because they thought he had something in him, but he was never one of those top priority signings. So and look what he's turned into. He turned into the probably the main piece in that David Robertson trade. Obviously, two really good prospects for for David Robertson. So just shows you what type of work Adrian Lorenzo has been doing. Obviously, another friend of the show, the pod, great friend of ours. We talk to him all the time. Great guy. So I do want to just touch up on one more guy. I know you may want to touch up on Eric Lara, who's also been one of the top performers. But I want to touch up on the other top performer here, which is Giancori De La Cruz. He got off to a little slow start, but man, he's picked it up and, you know, 245, 376, 423, 799 with a 116 WRC plus. Uh, again, just kind of the case where a little bit of a high strikeout rate, 27.9, but still walks by you know, a good rate, 16.8, five homers, 25 RBIs. I do think when you look at the video, you think of a Juan Soto, Jesus Sanchez type at approach, not even approach, just bat stance, stance for him. Obviously, he has the little bat movement there. Um, someone who I think could be really good for Miami. I think he should definitely come stateside very soon, hopefully at the next season when you probably – you would assume they promote maybe at least one of Becquera or Gerardo. You could kind of slide in um, De La Cruz in there. So we, we call him Baby De La Cruz. We have another De La Cruz we'll talk about soon at the low A level which we're both very excited about. But we'll talk about De La Cruz here, and then we'll talk about Eric Lard, and then move on to Lowy Jupiter. Yeah, this guy's shown a lot, man. He was a DSL All-Star. Um, you yeah. know, the only limit to him is, is batting average. That's really the only thing he hasn't shown is the ability to hit for average. But getting on base at a 376 clip with the OBP, and then, man, the power has been there as well. Like we said, these fields, DSL, FCL fields, not easy to hit home runs at. This guy already has five home runs, five home runs already. For a guy that literally turned 17 in February, just turned 17 years old, this has been the best player in the DSL for the Marlins, has been Jan Corey De La Cruz, for sure. Um, they have other guys there as well, but this guy has shown the most. Um, I think he's definitely shown the ability for at least, uh, the early ability at least, for like four tools, maybe even five, because of how he's walking so much. Striking out 55-33 uh, KBB, which is definitely a very good ratio. Seven stolen bases, so he can run a little bit too. This guy is really, really intriguing to me. Um, I really like this player. Lefty hitter, plays the outfield pretty well, shows good range there from what I've seen. I like this guy. I think that this guy is so far advanced for his age, and this is a guy who's going to break into higher levels of top 30s in the Marlins system here very shortly. I would probably have this player right now if I did my rankings today. I think I have him somewhere in the high 20s, I think like 21 or 22. But I think he's going to go even higher if he continues to show what he's showing 
at such a young age. Like I said, he just turned 17 years old, and this is what this player is doing. So, so good, man. So cool. I've really liked following box scores and seeing the little video that we get about this guy. They really like him, and they like him for a very good reason. He's good. Yeah, he. I, this is one of those guys where I saw him like, this is one of this is going to be one of those top guys. Just give it a year or two. I would love to see him come stateside just to see what he's got. Maybe they give him another year into DSL, just given the age. You want to kind of get him adjusted there. But man, that is going to be someone who I'm who are going to be very high on. He's he's building up the stock very quickly. But before we move on to low A Jupiter, I'll let you talk a little bit about um, Eric Lara, who's one of the guys who's kind of impressed not only us but other you know uh, sources out there that we have have give, brought us back video on Eric Lara saying this is the guy who we need to keep an eye out on and I mean man it makes a lot of sense I think he's the one who has the very laid back approach which is nice you know it, it's not a, an approach you really see early on in in young players you usually see that kind of when you're in the mid to, to you know higher levels of, of the minor leagues yeah, man, this guy is is also really, really good. Um, this is another guy who is showing so much at such a young age. So this is an infielder, um, you know, from the Dominican Republic. Um, when did he turn 17? Let's see. Turn 17. <laughs> this guy's even younger than Jen Corey De La Cruz. This guy yeah. turned 17. What was that? 6'10", 2006, he was born. So there you go. Just turned 17. Even younger than Jen Corey, who we just talked about, and showing similar stuff. So... Look at the numbers for this guy, uh, a 310 batting average. So we just talked about Jim Corey, who is not really hitting for average. Um, that's really the only thing he's not doing. This guy's yep. hitting 310 with a 417 OBP, so even better than Jim Corey in that case, and a 440 slugging percentage. Look at this, 33-21 strikeouts to walks ratio, one home run, um, two triples, and eight doubles. So there you go, more of the same. Super young kid showing so much at such a young age. Another lefty bat, throws righty, but a lefty bat, um, infielder, plays third base. So, man, <laughs> just another kid that you look at and a test of $85,000. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, it, so literally, you know, it's 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 just so good to find these guys. Like, what, what else can I say? Um, they spread the money around. They spread it around well. And here you see it paying off in dividends. Like, these guys are just turning 17 years old. Look what they're doing. I wasn't doing anything like this when I was 17. Very few people can. So uh, to find this kind of talent that is doing so well at such a young age is so good. And for this guy, another thing I would say is that he's very physically imposing for a 17-year-old kid. 6'2", 165 already. So with tons of room to, further, to grow into his body a little bit more. So that power is going to come up. You know it is. So, man, you really like to see guys like this. This is so good. Um, DSL has been so fun, and it's because of guys like this that are doing what they're doing at such a young age. I really can't say enough about that. Uh, we follow these box scores. I look at them every day. And it's usually these performers that are coming about, Jankori and Lara. And, you know, these guys that we just talked about, Gennaro's in there a little bit as well uh, with the bat. We've seen flashes. So, again, still just such young kids with so, so much to prove and already doing so much. It's awesome. So I, I really like these kids. Lara, Lara and De La Cruz, for sure, two of the best um, young prospects that the Marlins have, especially with the exit of Ronald and um, and, uh, and Vargas and stuff like that. Um, these are, these are two of the better prospects that are going to make a name for themselves qu quickly, I think. So we knew this was going to take a good amount of our time here. And obviously we're, we're going to go as long as we kind of wish we never get the opportunity to talk about these guys, obviously with spaces, live streams, we never get to talk about the minor leagues. This is our time 46 minutes. in, we just spoke about two levels. Now.